California continues to mask kids in schools while they party hard at the Super Bowl, and liberal San Francisco excommunicates their own. Also, the cat is out of the bag. A survey of voters figure out that Gavin Newsom is a crappy is a crappy governor. And did you see that? Of course you did. The halftime show. Am I the only millennial that didn't like the halftime show and taking it to the tweets? What does it take to run for office? This is On My Mind, and I'm Ray Perez. Hey, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is On My Mind, and I'm Ray Perez. I appreciate you guys tuning in. We have quite a bit to unpack. Now, the one thing I actually want to get into, California continues to mask its kids, and liberals continue to party hard. But I, I, the one thing I actually want to get into, no matter where you're at on the political scale, whether you're a centrist moderate, you're a, dem, you're a moderate Democrat, whatever that means, or you're a progressive left, take a look around California. You can see issues around California to where you're desensitized. You see tents popping up on the freeway. You see homelessness, crime opioid, uh, crime, opioid, overdose deaths. You see on if you're if you're on Twitter and you follow any news outlet or any follower or any reporter on Twitter in San Francisco. You, if you're in Sacramento like I am and you take the two-hour drive to San Francisco, you see the deterioration in one of the one of the most prominent cities in the United States. But there's one thing that you can't get over on voters because all these things that I mentioned have been happening under liberal leadership over the last 10 years. And the rise in crime, the rise in opioid the rise in the opioid epidemic, the rise in taxes and people moving out of the state. None of that affects the voters. None of that affects the liberal base. The crime, taxes, homelessness, environment, all these talking points that you can fit on a bumper sticker and you even see Republicans and Democrats chiming in on why one person or one party is bad at the other, okay? But there's one thing that touches the electorate, and I actually just figured this out. We all figured this out collectively, and... It wasn't just anecdotal on the other end of the country in Virginia. What you can't put on bumper stickers are kids and their livelihoods and their effect. And what you start mandating on your kids, what you start putting in your kids, you can't put that on a bumper sticker. And what we're going to get to in just a second is liberal San Francisco excommunicated three of their progressively liberal completely duly elected liberal progressive school board. Ryan Mills over at the National Review writes, San Francisco voters overwhelmingly back recall of progressive school board members. Ryan Mills writes, San Francisco residents overwhelmingly voted to oust three of the city's progressive school board members on Tuesday. It was the culmination of a year-long effort to reform the board which has been accused of prioritizing social justice politics over reopening schools and managing the district's troubled finances during the COVID-19 pandemic. But the question they have to ask is, is how you got here after going through years of social justice policies. 
And you're still going to continue to see leftist progressives at the grassroots level, um, at the community organizing level. They're going to wear, like a badge of honor, social justice warrior. You're going to see politicians running on that. Now, the problem with social justice, and and I can already state just because I'm conservative, that doesn't mean that this is a conservative talking point. What should be mainstream is justice doesn't need a modifier. Justice is justice. But you see terms, which I'm going to get to in a moment, is safe injection sites, uh, putting uh, critical race theory, which has been a conversation in school boards across the country of depending on the color of your skin is dependent on how successful you are. You've Democrats, liberals here in California have had the opportunity to implement these social justice causes. And now we see the result. You see, which I'll get to in just a second. But going back to this article by Ryan Mills, 79% voted to recall board member Allison Collins. 75% voted to recall board president Gabriela Lopez. And 73% voted to recall board members Fauga Moliga in San Francisco, nonetheless. So you can't say that these are Trump supporting right wingers. What went wrong? Mills continues in his piece. And this is important. Instead of focusing its efforts on developing a reopening plan, the board has been preoccupied with woke culture war issues, expanding, expending energy and changing the admissions process at the highly selective Lowell High School to boost the number of black and Hispanic students and reduce the number of white and Asian students, rechristening 44 schools named after prominent Americans, including Abe Lincoln, oh man, that white supremacist guy, George Washington, not him, and a proposal to spend close to $1 million to paint over a historic 80-year-old mural at a local school that depicts the life of Washington, but also includes outdated stereotypes. If you're listening in at home, you're going to probably see on social media, on, on TV, that who uh, a media platform is, what you're going to see in progressivism, social justice is that we should elect the first insert color, insert female, insert LGBTQ, the first whatever. That's what social justice focuses on on these not just platitudes, but what's on the surface. You look brown, you look black, you look brown, you're a woman, you're gay, you're black. But what they actually don't focus on is not only just the experience of the person, but how said individual is going to affect outcome for whatever you're electing them to. The board, as this continues, the board became focused on the on national ridicule last fe February after a two-hour debate over whether a gay white dad was diverse enough to join an all-female volunteer parent committee. All the while, district budget deficit ballooned to about $125 million a year last year, leading California education officials to threaten a state takeover. The California Department of Education sent an expert in last year to help School board devise a plan to close the gap. This is just San Francisco. We haven't even gotten to the mask requirements. In San Francisco, they're they're talking about uh, not being able to open, not going back to school while other private schools are opening. If you look across the country in Florida and Texas and Idaho, these schools have been open for the last year. When it comes to a government takeover, COVID's over. 
not over in the sense of, hey, you have to take some precautions. But when it comes to government intervention, it's over, bro. And what's starting to happen, and I was actually on a podcast earlier, just about an hour ago, and I was asked, what does the California Republican Party need to do to gain voters and those that are no party, party preference, moderate Democrats, if there's ever actually a term of a moderate Democrat? We need to start painting a picture of what it's like to live in another state, in another city, where you have more freedoms, where parents get to decide what their kids are learning, how they're learning and the quality of life and quality of education that they're getting. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you actually go to LA, as I mentioned before, and you see teachers that are part of the union that want mask mandates, and you see teachers partying hard at the Super Bowl. And quite frankly, if... I myself am, and if I'm running for office, okay, and I'm running up against this guy or anybody that is in this guy's and this guy's party, Trey Clavis on Clay Travis on a Twitter. If you are only listening to the audio version, a California teacher union leader who is insisting kids remain masked because schools are otherwise unsafe for teachers went to a 49er Rams NFL NFC championship game and watched the game in a 70,000-seat stadium without wearing a mask. And in the photo, you can see the teacher with a hat on and taking an ussy in front of 70,000 people yelling at the top of his lungs. When you're yelling, what's happening when you're yelling? Spits flying all over the place, and if you're around 70,000 other people, you're assuming they're yelling as well. See, Guys like this, this teacher, he can go to an, he can go to places unmasked. He can go to a gym. He can go to a restaurant. He can go to Target unmasked, but not your kids. But other cities, other states, even other blue ones, they are unmasking. And I'm going to share with you. I'm going to share with you, this is kids celebrating, being told that they can have their masks taken off. And I'm sure you've guys seen this before. Play the tape. In a time when oh. it seems difficult to move forward, so, will you? I'll play the tape in just a second. There's kids across the country in Nevada. There's in Brazil that celebrated, they celebrated taking off their mask and I think now we have the visual and the audio for you. Play the tape. We don't have to wear masks anymore. If you're listening to just the audio version, there's about a room full of, what, 40 kindergartners going nuts as if as if they won the world series as if they just won the nfc championship game now there are problems with progressivism and you don't see it when it's introduced to you in theory you only see it after it's applied and it's too late and you see the results crime defund the police opioid and overdose deaths crime, or excuse me, opioid and overdose deaths, safe injection sites. 
Unaffordability, high taxes on the rich. Can't afford to leave, wonder why. But these issues aren't new. They've been plaguing California for close to a decade. But liberal voters continue to double down on their liberal voting. And so it seems until now, until now, what got them to stop dead in their tracks are kids. Funny, the same kids that they want to abort at six weeks, they're stopping dead in their tracks for. Masking kids has become anti-science for a party or a political ideology that, that prouds themselves with the lawn signs that says, in this house, we believe in science. No, you don't. You believe in virtue because you believe that if you're wearing, if, if you're wearing the mask, if you're forcing your kids to wear a mask, but you don't, or you have a lawn sign, you care. But what that really shows is that's a sign of obedience. Marjorie, Smeckel, Marjorie Smeckelson over at The Atlantic writes an article on masks. It says, the case against masks at school. She writes, many public health experts maintain that masks worn correctly are essential to reducing the spread of COVID-19. However, there's reason to doubt that kids can pull off mask wearing correctly. Of course, you think that a kid is going to wear a N95 mask correctly all day with snot coming out? Of course not. But you better mask them as it continues. We reviewed a variety of studies, some conducted by the CDC itself. Some cited the CDC as evidence of masking effectiveness in a school setting. Others touted by media to the same end. Try to find evidence that would justify the CDC's no end in sight mask guidance for the very low risk pediatric population, particularly post vaccination. We came up empty handed, the, right, the article writes, or the article states. The overall takeaway from these studies that schools with mask mandates have lower COVID transmission rates than schools without mask mandates is not justified by the data that have been gathered. In two of these studies, the conclusion is undercut by the fact that background vaccination rates, both of staff and of the surrounding community, were not controlled for or taken into consideration. You got to look at Stacey Abrams, the failed governor of, of Georgia, took a picture with a with a fourth grade class where they were all masked up but her. And the following day, she herself fired her communication staffer and was in the market for a new one. She hopped up in Indeed and said, I need to hire a new a new person to, I guess, advise me. As this continues, this was a hugely important confounding variable undermining the CDC's conclusion that masks in schools provide a concrete benefit in controlling COVID-19 spread. Communities with higher vaccination rates had less COVID-19 transmissions everywhere, including in schools. Those same communities were more likely to have mask mandates. Also, according to a John Hopkins University meta-analysis of several studies, lockdowns during the first COVID wave in spring of 2020 only reduced COVID mortality by 2% in the U.S. and Europe. But you wonder why we are still having these mask mandates? The reason why is because liberals, if they let go, if they let go of these mandates, that means they lose control. 
You can't do that in the Floridas anymore. Florida went from being blue to now it's red. But you go to these like moderate to lean blue states, the science didn't change. And you've heard this, and I know I'm repeating a talking point, but it's true. The polls changed. And even here, it's even leaking through the cracks here in California. You can have opioid epidemics. You can have comatose homeless in San Francisco. You can have a college student murdered in broad daylight. You can have uh, looting in stores from Orange County to San Francisco. You can have taxes upon taxes upon taxes. You can have tax the rich while over half of them leave. But don't touch the kids. And I agree with that. I don't have kids. I'm not married. But you don't have to be. I have a, a friend, Cynthia Cowie. She actually says it great. She says it perfectly. I'm not married. I don't have kids. But I was a kid before at one, at one point. I couldn't imagine, couldn't imagine growing up in a time where I didn't see my friend's face for a year. If you're in second grade right now, you do not know what it's like to go without a mask. You don't. And quite frankly, what, what has to happen, this is what has to happen. If you're running for any political office, school board, city council, mayor, assembly, senate, congress, what you need to do, you need to ask your opponent for a debate. You ask for your opponent for a debate, and you ask them, are you for masking our children? Will you support policy that ends the masking of our children? If they say no, then you go into their tweets and their social media, wherever it may be, you type in mask mandates, and you see where they stand. That alone, as a Republican or independent or non-liberal, that should boost you up by 10 points or 2 points or whatever it may be. That should boost you up incremental amount. Because it seems that, and, and I, I know I'm going to get to this in my next segment, kids, rightfully so, kids are the way into the electorate. Even here in blue California, kids, the same people, you know, if you're, if you're four years old, if you're a four-year-old or a five-year-old, as Democrats are defending you, it's funny that they're defending you at four years old, but four years and 10 months before that, they'd rather kill you. Guys, don't go anywhere. You're listening to On My Mind with Ray Perez. I'm on... You're listening to All My Mind with Ray Perez. I'm Ray Perez. When we come back, the cat is out of the bag. A survey of voters found that many have figured out Gavin Newsom isn't a good governor. But that doesn't matter. He's going to get reelected. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to All My Mind with Ray Perez. Come back to me. Welcome, welcome. You are listening to On My Mind with Ray Perez. I appreciate you guys tuning in and welcoming me into your living rooms. Hey, we've actually talked about quite a bit so far masking our kids and actually what that means to the electorate. San Francisco School Board just evicted, just excommunicated three of their own. And Mayor London Breed, someone who was touting defund the police, is actually backpedaling. She's going to be filling in those three school board members. And you have to actually beg the question that if you're a conservative or a non-liberal, should the messaging actually be 
keep your hands off our kids. But that only happens when you're outside the womb. But coming back to what I wanted to talk about, cat is out of the bag. A survey of voters found that many have figured out Gavin Newsom is a horrible governor. But you know what's funny about this? Like we are what uh, October, November, December. We're like what five months removed from a recall election, and Gavin Newsom defeated the recall by thirty points. And all the issues that we have aren't brand new. It's not like they just sprouted out of nowhere two months ago. So spare me, okay? But. I want to actually get into this. Everything that I've mentioned has finally taken a toll on Gavin Newsom from the crime, from the kids, from the opioid epidemic, all of that, uh, taxes, well, maybe the taxes, have all finally taken a toll on Gavin Newsom. Emily Hoban over at Cal Matters has a piece titled Crime Homelessness Emerge as California Democrats' Weak Spot. And it continues, Crime and Homelessness. These are the two issues on which California Democrats are most vulnerable heading into 2022. According to a Tuesday poll from UC Berkeley Institute, so no right-wing outlet or university, UC Berkeley's Institute of Government Studies and the Los Angeles Times have found that underscoring the political risk, a, a, dump, a drumbeat of a recent headlines on brutal crimes and attacks allegedly commit, oh, excuse me, let me go back. According to a Tuesday poll from UC Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies and Los Angeles Times, it underscores the political risk, a drumbeat of recent headlines on brutal crimes and attacks alleged committed by homeless individuals. The survey's findings were especially grim for Gavin Newsom. 48% of registered voters said they approve of his overall performance and governor, while 47% disapprove. That's a marked increase in criticism from September 2021, when 50% approved of the governor and 42% disapproved. Newsom overwhelmingly de defeated an attempt to recall him from office. But again, spare me the crocodile tears. And, I'm an, and I actually make this assertion. Most of the electorate, most of the electorate has Stockholm Syndrome. You you've almost gained, you've almost been desensitized to what you see around California. You see, you see homeless comatose on the streets. You see high, un, you, you see high unemployment rates. You see businesses going out of sale, going out of business. You see high taxes everywhere. We rank as the, we, we rank number one in the country in poverty, but yet we're the golden state. Make no mistake about it, that 48% 48, 48, uh, uh, approval, that doesn't indicate that Newsom won't win re-election. That just means that they're kind of unhappy right now. It means that the electorate, moderate Democrats and the leftists, they want more of the same. They enjoy the beating. They enjoy the, the, the rough politicalness. That's what they enjoy. So spare me the crocodile tears. While everybody suffers, while everybody says, I'm not liking this, I'm seeing crime, my kids can't go to school, they were locked out, now you have to wear face masks. That, that's just crocodile tears, but I'm going to continue. The Tuesday survey found that disapproval of Newsom's jobs performance is rising among key voters, blocks, including Democrats, strong liberals, moderates, Los Angeles County voters, Latinos, and Asian Americans. Voters also give 
gave Newsom low marks for handling eight out of 10 major issues facing the slate, with 66% rating his response to homelessness as poor or very poor. 51% saying the same about his approach to crime and public policy. Guys, you voted for it. Again, spare me the crocodile tears. Ultimately, though, the governor's declining approval rate will likely have a negligible impact on his reelection prospects with the June primary less than four months away. And it continues, 78% of registered voters said crime has increased over the past year, and 65% said it's the worst in their local areas. But the question is, this is the, this is the million-dollar question. Can Republicans take on Newsom? Yeah, Brian Dolly, senator who from the North State, he's a multimillionaire. Can he even make a dent in Newsom's falling popularity? Are you sure that he can? Honestly, with the electorate, uh, I posed this the other day on Twitter. The only way that a Republican can actually take Newsom to town is if someone like Elon Musk jumps in the race and he's an independent. That's the only way. He has the funds. He has the popularity. He has the sway. He has the business acumen. And Gav, and Elon Musk by no means is a leftist. Or excuse me, by no means is a Republican. Hey guys, I want to go to break. Did you see that? Of course you did. The halftime show. Am I the only millennial that wasn't impressed by the halftime show? I will also show you the greatest Super Bowl commercial of all time. I'll be right back. You're listening to On My Mind with Ray Perez. Come back to me. Hey guys, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hey, I want to actually talk about the Super Bowl. You know, I'm a millennial. I grew up on hip-hop. Some of my favorite artists, I'm from the West Coast, Bay Area Influence, E-40, Snoop, Dre, N.W.A., old school. I even throw it back to Africa Bombada, Michael Jackson, LL Cool J. I Look, I think I'm the only one in the millennial group, one of the few, that didn't care for the Super Bowl halftime show. Now, I look, I, I get it that that Dr. Dre, that Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, they 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 were singing these old time hits, but maybe I'm just disappointed that they didn't play nothing but a G thing, which is one of my favorites. But let me tell you what, like, if you for those of you that are listening in at home, if you remember the I'm sharing this on my screen. If you're at home listening through uh, the Apple Podcast, you can find me on YouTube at On My Mind. It's Ray, uh, On My Mind with Ray Perez. This is my main issue with the Super Bowl. Is I come from the arena of hip hop, where dancing was a crucial part of hip hop, and I get that Snoop and Dr. Dre that they're not that big of dancers. They're known. They're they're known more for their gangster rap. I understand Ben Shapiro was making the point the other day that for being, you know, for the NFL being woke, they sure have these rap artists that are very well known that have a long range of criminal records. I get that. understand it. Sure. I get it. But that's not my gripe with them. Okay. I understand that when you're listening to music, 
on a podcast or like on Pandora or uh, you're listening to music on your iPhone that it's, it, 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 it's carefully constructed, right? Like it's going through machines to make it sound better. But when you're live, it's not going to have that great of a quality. I get that. But as you can see, what I was kind of wondering, and they're on my pod, uh, on the visual part that I'm showing on YouTube, if you're sitting behind the, 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 the stage where Snoop Dogg and 50 Cent and Dr. Dre are performing, and you're paying eight to $10,000 for these seats, you can't see them performing. They're in a box, right? I get it. I'm not there. But you got to think, you're spending millions of dollars on this performance. You couldn't have been a little bit more creative with their entrance. And I get it. They're not dancers. but And I, and I say it from this perspective, okay? I say it from a couple of years ago. Uh... One of my actual, one of my favorite halftime performances, and if again, if you're listening to the audio version, go on YouTube. You can actually see what I'm, uh, what I, what I'm sharing, is the Katy Perry, is the Katy Perry and Missy Elliott halftime show. And the reason why I like it is not because yes, I like, uh, I'm more of a big fan of Missy Elliott, but the reason why I like the halftime show is because there was actually a form of entertainment. And that's what I think. I come from that level of hip-hop where the Africa Bombadas, the LL Cool Js, there was some form of entertainment that went along with the music. And it wasn't, ex it wasn't exuberant. Uh, the Katy Perry... The Katy Perry uh, Missy Elliott performance... They didn't drop down from the sky, but there was a lot of hip-hop, there was choreography, and it was actually interesting. It was creative. It was everything that came from, and it, look, it integrated Katy Perry, which is more new school. It integrated Missy Elliott, which is more from the 2000s, and it was integrating two eras. And it made it a part of it to where everybody could see, and it was entertaining. If you look at Snoop Dogg, or if you listen to the Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and even Kendrick Lamar and the 50 Cent, yeah, they were stationary, but I also have had to beg the question, were they lip-syncing? I don't know. But at least here, watching the Katy Perry and the Missy Elliott from a couple of years ago, I believe it was from the Seattle Seahawks and the New England Patriots Super Bowl, that was entertainment. That's what I liked. I'm a huge Snoop Dogg fan. DPG? I like, one of my favorite songs is one, two, three to the foe, Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the door. That's why I'm not a rapper. They didn't even play that. But, and I, and I kind of wonder if my millennials and my, my, my zennials, if they were just stoked to have their generation of hip hop just sung at the Super Bowl. I even looked back during the Buffalo Bills and the New York Giants Super Bowl in the early nineties when Michael Jackson performed. Michael Jackson was a performance artist. Of course, his music came with choreography. But at the very least, put Snoop and Dre in, in an open area, not in a box. Not what looked like a shoebox. That's my issue. Now, going to the halftime commercials. There is a halftime commercial that is actually one of my favorites. And I every year, I wait and see to see if there's going to be a halftime commercial that 
actually beats out the one that's my favorite. I'm going to play the tape. This is called The Farmer, Ram's Truck. And on the eighth day, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to sit up all night with a newborn colt and watch it die and dry his eyes and say, maybe next year. I need somebody. See, if you can, I mean, you can tell where I'm going with this. I don't think it, that's, that's not explainable, right? Like there's, there's no gimmick. There's no Alexa. I mean, one of my favorite Super Bowl commercials, I think, was the uh, Alexa rat now. See, I can't even explain the whole thing, what it's about, right? This one, it's a Ram truck. It's talking about the country, their morals, their values, going to church. And it seems that they're putting all this money into gimmicks. That, that Like, I'll give you another example. How many commercials did you see of electric car vehicles? And everybody that watched in a household, middle income, that makes a combined household income of $120,000, how many of you can afford uh, an electric car? And I don't mean anecdotal. I don't mean like a couple. They're, and it's, that's their form of virtue, right? Like, and these are commercials of electric car vehicles that are nice and flossy, but it's not really relatable. I don't relate to electric cars. I can't afford it. And if you notice, those commercials didn't have a price on how much these cost. Usually, when you watch a normal commercial on your everyday channel, they say you can get it for X amount of dollars down. They're $1,500 off MSRP. But not for these commercials, and I specifically bring this up, because these are commercials that are unrelatable. They're gimmicky. And I'd like a good old-fashioned commercial like that Ram's truck, the farmer. But you know what? Leftist elitists don't want that. Because make no mistake about it, that's too conservative for them. Hey, I want to take it to the tweets. That was, did you see that? I want to take it to the tweets. I have a friend of mine, Cynthia Cowie, she asks me before we close the show out, what does it take to run for office? Now, that that is that is not a very simple answer. There's no answer, simple answer that comes to this. But first and foremost, I was just discussing this on, on a podcast earlier. Before you want to run for office, number one, get involved with your central committee, Republican or Democrat. Central committee, these are groups that are sanctioned by the state party, Republican and Democrat. Go there and get involved. That's number one. Get to know them. And the reason why I say that is because that is your initial coalition of people that you need. But it shouldn't be your only coalition. What are you running for? You want to run for school board? Have a backstory. Why do you want to get involved? Why should somebody elect you? Why? And I have a friend of mine who actually uh, works for a, a, congr uh, a con congressional candidate or excuse me, a, a, a congressperson, actually. So this person is actually duly elected, and my friend works for them. And he goes, every time I work with a candidate, I have them write me a one-pager on why I should vote for them and why they would make a good politician. That's number one. Number two is, can you reach across the party lines? Can you work with people in your community? 
there's this uh, person I'm actually going to name him by name, uh, Joe Patterson. Go follow him on uh, Twitter, Joe Patterson. And I believe I'm going to look up his name. Really good guy. Really actually, actually, uh, really, uh, it's Councilman Joe Patterson and his is a patter dude. He's really good. He doesn't, he's, he understands how to solve issues, a variety of issues. And whatever you feel most passionate about, be able to convey it. And also too, this is another thing that I tell people. If you're running for office, are you willing to run three times? Because there's a good chance you may not win the first time. There's a good chance you may not win the second time. By the third time, your respective community will have known you by now. Are you willing to invest about two to six years minimum on obtaining your goal and running for office on whatever level? If that answer is no, don't even bother. Have a story. Can you gain following without using social media? Social media should just be the cherry on top. And also understand there is sacrifice that comes with running for office. These are just a few things. You know, I've thought about running for office, but then overall, I thought I would I would love to serve the people, not just because for the glamour, not just because I'd be elected official Ray Perez. I've actually thought about it, but then I actually thought, is this can am I able to do the sacrifice right now? Because I'm serving the people. Can you serve the people? Can you break bread with everybody, no matter? across the aisle, but stay true to your principles and your values. Can you do that? Do you have a support system? One thing don't do. The one thing, the not to do, I can tell you what to do. The not to do's don't show up at a central committee meeting and say, what are you going to do for me? What you should do is you show up and say, hey, this is the value that I bring from my experience, whether I'm a business owner, whether I'm a, I'm a, I'm a parent with whatever experience, I have military experience, and I want to build on whatever foundation that you have laid. I want to make you better while you also help me out so we can strive for the same goals. Are you willing to do all of that? And it takes not only money, it takes time. And you can't put money on your time. You can't put money on your freedom because you will be sacrificing your freedom. When I mean sacrificing your freedom, you can't go out and say whatever you damn well please on social media. But you can't be fake either. You have to be very crafty. Joe Patterson is very crafty at what he does. There's um, uh, 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 a supervisor, Tom Patty, running for Congress in Stockton. And he told me, he goes, look, I'm not going to abandon my values, but I have to be careful on what I say while still staying true. And he said to me, he goes, I'm pro-life as they come. But what I'm going to say to my base, I'm not going to say, hey, I'm pro-life. We need to save the baby. I'm going to say, I'm pro-family. And how can I help you? Things like that, that you learn. You don't just step in and as a, as a candidate and you're an expert all of a sudden. You have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to say, yes, I come with expertise and whatever background I come in, whether you're a law enforcement officer, whether you're in military, whether you're just a hardworking man or woman, and you want to contribute to your community. Lastly, I, I do want to say this. Look for commissions in your in your local community. Commissions are appointed uh, groups where maybe you're on Arts and History Re Preservation Commission. You're on the Oversight Committee. You're on these little committees that are appointed, 
and you get to meet people. You get to give your insight. You can make a difference. You can do that. Strongly recommend you doing that. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Hey, if you're listening on the audio version, follow me on YouTube on My Mind with Ray Perez. If, you're, if you are uh, watching this on iCandy through YouTube, uh, you can download wherever you get your podcasts on iTunes or Spotify on My Mind with Ray Perez. Shoot me a DM. Follow me on Twitter at It's Ray Perez on Twitter. Tell me what you think. I want constructive criticism. I want to hear from you guys. I get a guy at tech that messages me every week, tells me I'm a Democrat, registered Democrat. I want to get your thoughts on this. And I tell them, I'm going to cover that on the podcast because I'm sure other people are actually wondering the same thing. Before I close out, I do want to actually say this. I was asked the other day, who on my podcast, who's my audience? And it got me to thinking, who I'm speaking to are up. Obviously, if you're watching me, you're probably conservative. But my audience is people that, yeah, you may be a registered Democrat, but you're not staunch in politics. And you kind of just want to hear what's going on. I want to talk to you. You have questions for me. Reach out to me. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. You guys have a good night. Make sure you guys follow me and share with your friends. Have a good night.